Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. So glad that you're joining us here today. So glad that you're joining us online. You know, it's, a, it, it's an interesting moment, and, I, and it is. I'll, go, I'll talk about this in, in the next several hours that we have together. That um, there are moments like this that become context for us. And we could look back and say, okay, this is where we were 20 years ago at 9-11. And so it is something that's going on. But thank, thankfully that not only is God not taken by surprise, but we've been prepared. If you ever, when you go through something, what I do is I go back and I look at all the things that have been spoken through the pulpit in my quiet time, time with the Lord, and you, you realize, wait a minute, the Lord was preparing me. I may not have known specifically what's coming, but I believe we're ready. I want to, just in the, in the uh, sincerely, I'm not going to go that long, but I want to I'm going to talk, and I'm going to use a little acronym. I don't like to do this all the time. The ones I use, I hope, can be memory devices. But I want to take the word hope today. And I want to just build the things that I believe the Lord wants us to take from here. And I, and I want it to be encircled with the word hope. Because we have a hope. We're not like everyone else. Not to say that we're, we're wishing any... Uh, we're, we're, there's, listen, when somebody... When you come into a scene and people have no hope, that's not the time to somehow... Uh, you know, have some superiority. It's just to, to know that there is an advantage to believing in God. There is an advantage to believing the Bible. And uh, I don't think that, that we're here today just without the hope that this book promises. So the first thing about hope, in, it's the word hearing. You know, people, when they hear people like us or somebody talking about it, they think we're minimizing the circumstances. We're not minimizing the threat. We're not minimizing what's in front of us, but we are maximizing what God has to say. So every precaution should be taken, but once that's done, now you say, well, is just hearing only that going to do something for me? Because uh, our spiritual immune system, let's just say our physical immune system, one of my dear friends don't know if he's here today, Dr. Ming Wang, who is uh, one of the most you know, celebrated doctors. He's a recognized surgeon, but he's a comprehensive type of doctor. And he, he talked uh, at length to me about just the impact of what you hear and, the, and the, the hope you receive to build your physical immune system, your, your natural immune system. So stress and worry can break down your immune system, but, but hearing good news, not to say we're not minimizing the problem, we're maximizing uh, what God has to say. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Now, I think if you, if you look at, if you say this is, this is kind of what we hear, let's just call these the hearing knobs. The more we hear about the natural circumstances and the less we hear about God's word, there's, a, there's, an, un, there's an unhealthy balance so let's just say you've, we've heard everything we know, that we need to know, we're up to speed on all the precautions, on all the social distancing. In fact, many of you say, you know what, I've been doing that social distancing for years. I'm ready. I'm just ready because I don't like people and I'm staying away from them, okay? So you really feel like you've been ahead of your time. But, um, but, when, you, but when you've done all you can in the natural sense, then you look down and say, well, how much of God's word am I hearing? 
And if faith comes by hearing, then the, least, the less you hear of God's word, then you're going to wonder why fear is there in your life. In fact, the worst thing you can do to somebody is say, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. And they go, how do I not fear? For many of us, it's like, how do you not think of a pink elephant? If I say, don't think of a pink elephant, you're just going to think of the pink elephant. So the way you get rid of fear is not saying, I won't fear. It's by putting your eyes on something else and your ears inclined to something else. And the more you incline your ear, like Proverbs chapter 4, incline your ear to my sayings. Who are you more inclined to listen to? So yes, do all the stand. We're not minimizing the problem. We're just going to turn the volume up on what we're hearing from God. And you'll be amazed at how fear begins to take a lesser role. And next thing you know, it's brought into perspective. Now, I don't have a, do anybody got some money on them? This is not the offering. I just need a coin. Nobody's carrying any money. Okay. Let's just take this because this is a good, this is a good thing. So I'll, I'll get to my little, you know, what I've been listening to a lot. But, you know, if you take this, this is okay. I'll just use this. That's okay. I, I got it. This is good. This will, this will serve to pretend this is a coin. You see, this is very relatively small, but if you put this here, it becomes the biggest thing in your life. This is what it means to magnify a problem. It's to take something, and, and not to say it's not a problem. We're not minimizing the problem. But when we magnify the Lord, when we begin to put our eyes on him, it's amazing how this thing begins to dissipate. And now all of a sudden, we look at this and say, wait a minute. In comparison, yes, this is a threat, but this is a greater hope. In fact, it says, the prophet says that one day when we look on Satan, we will say, is this the one that threatened the nations, that, that ravaged the nations? Satan is not omniscient. He's not all-powerful. He is a finite, limited being. And in comparison to God, in comparison to his promises, everything that we've magnified begins to take its proper place. Now, a lot of us don't really carry our Bibles much. We think, well, it's on my phone. But see, you know, when I pull out my phone, it's funny because I got my Bible out there, but I got Twitter, I got Facebook, I got text. See, I'm so tempted to be distracted. See, but when you have a real physical Bible, not that the Bible's not real there, but see, when I have this out, uh, I have actually 66 apps Right here, there's 66. So instead of turning to Twitter, I'm more like to turn to the Isaiah app. You know, and when you turn over to the Isaiah app, it's amazing what you'll hear. Okay, not to say that Twitter can't give you some stuff that's good, but you know, a couple of nights ago, I, I had what I tell people, I was telling people about this. I said, I probably had the, the best, worst night's sleep I've ever had. It was a bad night's sleep, but it was about the best worst night. It's kind of like the old song about the guy that says that I, I, I woke up and I put on my cleanest, dirty shirt. You know, when you, when you have all your clothes are dirty, uh, Brother Dave, and, and you just find the, the cleanest, dirty shirt. So I had the best worst night's sleep. In other words, I couldn't sleep, but God was speaking to me. And I turned over in my Isaiah app, and, I, and look at what I found in Isaiah 33. Now tell me. What do you think this produced? Do you think this produced fear or faith? Let's just, this is like a little quiz. Isaiah 33. I found this at 4 a.m. Verse 
24, the context was what God will do in Zion. Now remember, Hebrews 12 says that we as God's people have come to Mount Zion, not Mount Sinai. So metaphorically speaking, we as the people of God have come to Mount Zion. And so he's talking to Zion here in Isaiah 33. And he says in verse 24, chapter 33 of Isaiah, verse 24, and no inhabitants will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. Now, when I found out in, at 4 a.m., again, it was the best, worst night's sleep I'd had in a long time, this began to generate faith because this was a second witness to Psalm 103 that says, you know, bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He pardons all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. So all the time you see this connecting thing, pardons your iniquities, heals your diseases. Jesus walked in and saw a man who was sick, and he said, your sins are forgiven. And they said, how can you do this? He said, to show that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, rise and take up your bed and walk. You see, Jesus connected forgiveness of sins and also healing of the body. So the same God that forgives sins is the same God that heals the body. Now, that's a good chance to say amen. I'm, gonna do, I'm not going to ask you for much, but I need a little help from my friends today on that one. So it's what you hear. In the book of Galatians, turn to Galatians 3. And I so appreciate Pastor Will back there with that little, little subtle sound that he's got. And once in a while, just maybe a little, little tinkerbell like that. That's it. I need that. That helps a brother, okay? Galatians chapter 3, we're talking about hearing what you hear. Galatians 3, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Now, if your parents ever said that to you, they said, let me, let me just ask you one thing. That wasn't that that's the only thing they will ever ask you. It's just in this moment, this is the most important thing to remember. A lot of things that the Bible talks about. But in this situation, this is a primary thing. Let me ask you only this, he says. Did you receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, if you go back to when you did not know the Lord, you, did, you deserved God's mercy and forgiveness and love the least. And when we deserved it, deserved it the least, we heard something that we latched on and said, I believe that. Now, what's so, what's so amazing about being born again is, is that you don't have any, you don't try to act like you've earned it. It takes you years of being a Christian to unlearn this grace moment of just simply hearing with faith. Because what happens after years, we begin to ooch back. You know what ooch is? I, 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 I'm not a, that good a golfer, but I'm good enough to teach you if you're bad. And, um, and, I, and, and you'd see somebody out there swinging the golf club like this. And they said, Pat, I just can't understand why I can't hit the ball. And I said, well, first of all, let me show you. And you get them all set up. You say, set up like this. And you get them in the right position. And you say, man, that's looking good. And all of a sudden, they begin to ooch. They ooch back to their bad swing. And they, because when you get them in the right position, they'll say this to you when you're teaching them golf. This feels weird. Because we've learned, we've grooved bad habits. We've learned how to do all the wrong things proficiently. And so what happens is 
the Galatians had ooched back. The Galatians had gone back to the way they used to be. He said, let me ask you, how did you get saved? How did you receive the Spirit? You didn't earn it. You didn't go out and find the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West or, oh, I gave a bunch of money. You know, it isn't, you can't buy this. You can't tithe to get it. You can't, you can't go out and do good works. You can spend all your time helping people that have suffered calamity, but that's, that's what you should do as a, as, a, as a consequence. But faith comes by hearing. He said, let me ask you this. Did you get the Spirit because of what you did right or you heard with faith? And then look, look at verse 5. He says it again. He goes, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? How do miracles happen? When you begin to listen to the promises of God, faith comes. So we're not minimizing the problem. We're just going to turn the volume up here. Okay? That's why with these little, little I, I keep calling them earplugs, but they're not earplugs. These little earbuds. I mean, I, for the last several months, you can talk to my family. I've just had these in my ears, morning, evening, just all the time, go to bed listening to the word. What this does is this, as you hear the word, and that's why what we're going to be doing at Bethel is not just live streaming this, but, but pretty much on a regular basis, we're going to be sending you, we're going to be sending you encouraging words. We want you to hear it. Whenever you have any spare time, plug into the word. So to build hope, you got the point. Faith comes by hearing. Number two. Now, I didn't talk to Pastor Jim about this, so this is all uh, a confirmation of what he said. The, the second thing is openness. We are in a period of, I believe, a 9-11 type moment openness. Uh, this is uh, Sunday, so on Monday I was at uh, Kennesaw State. And the next day the campus was closed and we were doing a God's Not Dead event, but it was a 200-seat auditorium. We were wondering who would show up. 211 students showed up. There's a hunger. There was, a, there was an attentiveness. You know, when you, when you get on the airplane, I've flown not as much as Pastor Kevin. I mean, Kevin, you've flown how many miles? Five million, four million, four million? Is it, are you in the four million club? Okay, four million miles. Okay, unless I... Ming Wang has not done my cataract surgeries. Was that a three or a four? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, anyway. But you know, you get on these airplanes and they start, when the stewardess or steward begins to talk or the captain, everybody's ignoring. But you know what? We can ignore things that we're used to hearing, but when turbulence hits and the captain begins to talk, everybody's listening. There's a different attentiveness. In fact, I get on airplanes that when it starts getting, when it shakes, people, they don't even want to talk. They're just busy holding the armrest up. And if you turn to talk to them, they go, shh. Like their, their willpower is keeping this up. So that's why when we get in a moment of turbulence, now people are open, they're listening. When we got to New York on the 13th of September, a team from this church drove all night, leaving September 12th, and walked the streets of New York. There was no one closed. No, everyone wanted to talk. Everyone, you could turn to anyone. There was ashes everywhere. Uh, the city, just, it was, you, the, the fear was palpable. Those barriers were gone. Those, those, those blocks, those things. Listen, the barriers are down. Everywhere you look, people are open. They want to talk. They don't want to be preached at, but you can just simply, the ease, the ease of starting a conversation with people, it's, it's there for you. You are ready for this moment. 
You were born for this moment, as Pastor Jim said. This is your moment. You know, you know the gospel. You know the word. The third thing is, of this little acronym is prayer. Now, prayer, I don't know if you ever get around people. Some of the people I get around that are praying, it's like it almost makes me more nervous because there's not a peace in their prayer. There's almost like the agitation and the fear. They're trying to pray it out of them. That's okay. But we're not just throwing prayer. We're not just throwing 50 prayers up and help one of them stick. In fact, when Jesus was in his worst moment on the cross, do you know what Jesus was doing? He was praying and he was quoting the Psalms, the same Psalms that we have here. I want you to turn to Psalm 91 for just a minute. Let me just give you an example of a prayer that has the built-in power to encourage you. And to, and, and to be heard by God. Psalm 91. Psalm 91. On August 8th, 1993, at 6.35 p.m., August 8th, 1993, 6.35 p.m., the island of Guam was hit by one of the worst earthquakes in this past century, 8.1 on the Richter scale. And I was there in room 911. When I checked in, of course, this is 1993 before the infamous 9-11. They handed me my room key and they said, well, I guess if anybody needs help, they can call your room. I had Pastor Ron Lewis, uh, who's our pastor in New York, and Steve Hollander, two of my best friends. And all of a sudden at 635, the room begins to shake. And all of a sudden the TV is like a tennis ball coming across like I'm in the matrix or something. The walls begin to split. Uh, Steve Hollander said later, because he jumped on top of me, he said, well, I knew God was going to save you, so I, but, but he thought it was like Star Trek. He had to be right on the same spot to be beamed up. So I thought, I'm not going to be to die in the earthquake. He's going to kill me, you know. But Pastor Ron says, you went out on the balcony. I went out on the balcony. Now, we're, this is a 60-second long 8.1 earthquake. And your life is passing before your eyes. And I'm holding on to the rail. And Ron Lewis said, all you were doing was shouting, Psalm 91. He said, you didn't quote it. You just, Psalm 91. I just kind of, you know what it is, Lord. I'm claiming the whole thing. I don't know why I just didn't say Bible. Bible. Psalm 91. Let's, let's, let's read this together. Psalm 91, and this is how we pray. Sometimes when I pray, I'll open my Bible up, and I kind of, I don't know if you're old enough to remember that detective Columbo. Columbo's like, you know, I mean, Lord, is it, this says, so sometimes I just take the Bible and I just hold it up to the Lord, and as he said, remind him, I'm just, Lord, I'm, I'm just trusting this. Sometimes I'm just holding it up, so I'm, and I just put my finger on that and said, I'm trusting this verse right here. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So now already, this is not a magic formula. This is telling you that there's a shelter. When I played golf, as I mentioned, if it started hailing or raining, you go to the shelter. And listen, God, if you're running to God right now, don't be ashamed. When my kids run into my room at midnight and jump in the bed, I don't shame them, even though they're 20 years old and six foot eight. 
It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. Come on, get into bed. They, but, you know, they may have been at a distance. You may have been far away from God. And you think, well, you know, I haven't really been to church. I haven't really given any money. Now, now listen, you can't buy this. Run to him today. Run to him. Run to him today. Run to him. Run into the shelter of his presence. That's why we're here today. Anybody that doesn't feel well is not here, but we've got a big sanctuary. We're spread out. We've got the social distancing thing going. Our ushers and greeters meet you at the front door with, with Perel and sanitizer, not a bulletin. But at the same time, people here or watching online, you're running to him. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, if you're wondering what to do, here's the instructions. Say that to the Lord. Don't just say, huh, wonder what, yeah, I wonder if David ever said that. No, this is for you. I will say to the Lord. So let's say that. My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Say it again. My refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, let me tell you, this isn't some magic formula that you just quote nervously. This is what you say when you've nestled into the embrace of your father and you whisper to him, a refuge, a fortress. I lean over many times to my, one of my best friends in life, one of my two best friends. Ron Lewis is my longest best friend and my second sitting on this front row, Pastor James. And sometimes when we're in worship service, I just lean over and I whisper to him. I say, you my man. He goes, you my man. You the man. No, you the man. You see, there's something about that confident whisper here. You're my refuge. You're my fortress. You're my God in whom I trust. See, it's a closeness. You don't have to shout. If you shout it, you're way too far away from him. He hears you. So the first thing you do is you dwell in the presence of the Most High. Run into his arms. And then all you have to do is whisper Every time I hear somebody say Corona, I say Jesus is higher. Jesus is the name above every name. Go ahead and again, we're not minimizing the problem. We're maximizing God's promise. Abraham didn't minimize that he was old. 99 years old. He didn't, he, he faced the fact. He just with respect to the promise. See? He's, that's why he said he's been raised up far above all principalities, all powers. Every name that is named. See, that's Jesus' name. Higher. His name is higher. I'm not minimizing the problem. I'm maximizing the promise. But we're still in Psalm 91. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. See, whatever this trap is, whatever the trap is, he's, he's, got, he's got you back. He will cover you and from, the, oh, I missed the, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Now let's say verse three, does that have anything to do with me today? Okay, dwelling in the shelter of the most high, I'm saying to the Lord, you're my refuge, my fortress, you're my man. You're with me, you got my back. He will deliver you from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will seek refuge. The pinions are the underside of the wing. All those little rods that make the wing, you know, not just be, you know, it's under his pinions. You're looking up. You're looking. You're getting a different perspective. You see, you know what? I just saw wings. But boy, when I look underneath these wings, look at all that strength. Look at all the girders. Look at all the things that hold his wings up. God will give you a different perspective on how real strong he is when you're looking at his pinions. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night. 
nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side. We don't wish that on anybody. 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling, again, here's a conditional statement, because you made the Lord your dwelling, the Most High who is your refuge, no evil will be allowed to befall you, nor plague come near your tent. So, hmm, does that have anything to do with anybody here today? Hmm. No evil will befall me, no plague come near my tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, hold fast to him. You say, well, I haven't been good at that, Pastor Rice. I feel ashamed. I haven't been to church. I don't really live. Okay, so start right now. This is your, so as of today, you're holding fast to him. As of right now, you're back. You don't have to earn this. You don't have time to earn this. Just take it by faith today. If you're backslidden, take it by faith. Say, I'm back. Hey, I came to church because I'm scared great. I don't care why you came to church. You're back. But hold on to the word. Because, he's, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, when we pray, if nothing else, Open up Psalm 91 and just read that. Okay? Read that. Stand to your feet, and we're going to finish this on our feet. The final one is the E of hope is encouragement. Come on up here, Pastor James. What are we going to do to have faith today? It's not just saying I shouldn't be afraid. If you're sitting in the dark saying, oh, I believe in the light, I believe in the light, I believe in the light. you got to turn the light on. You see, Jesus said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You can't live on the memory of a good meal from a week ago. You cannot live on the memory of a meal from a week ago. You have to, you have to eat today. You can't live on the memory of verses of Scripture that you learned as a child. You have to meditate. See, if Jesus said man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, then every day you have to take, I open my Bible as if this was the first time I've read it. If Pastor James comes stand by me, if he tells me a verse of Scripture that I know, I don't say, I know that, I know that. I listen, I listen to every verse of Scripture that anyone says to me as if I've never heard it before. That is feeding and meditating on it in the moment. Now, Hebrews chapter 3 says this. Go to, go to the NIV. Go to the NIV if you can do that. Because it says, because this is, I think this is the one of the few that says exhort, but encourage one another Every day, exhort still starts with the need, but I just love the sense of encouragement. Courage one another every day as long as it is still called today that none of you fall, may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. People need, listen, sometimes 
Sometimes I'm so desperate for encouragement, I will actually encourage myself. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. I will sometimes pick up the phone and call my own number and leave myself a voicemail. And I'll say, I want you to know you're doing a good job. God loves you. He's got your picture in his wallet. You don't have to earn. Listen, you don't have to earn righteousness. Righteousness is a gift by faith. And then later, I'll just listen to my voicemail and somebody next to me go, man, that's good. Who's that? I said, that was me. Encourage yourself. Speak faith to yourself. Quit beating yourself up. If you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. You can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you've just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church. But if not us, we pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you. Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world.